as a, uh, as a 21-year-old, soon-to-be college senior, I packed my bags in the summer of 1991, just a couple of years ago, and flew across the Atlantic Ocean to Berlin, Germany for the summer. I'd signed on to work with a team to do missions work in a, in a community that had been just recently opened to the gospel as the Berlin Wall had come down just uh, 18 months prior to, uh, to our arrival there. And there are, there are parts of that experience that, uh, that I will treasure always and uh, many things and many people that I will, uh, I will never forget. Uh, I've, I've brought in a couple of uh, pieces of the Berlin Wall here that usually sit on the, the, the shelf in my office uh, just to prove to you that I'm not lying. Uh, it just looks like concrete somebody painted and I probably could have gotten that out, but I promise this uh, actually, yeah, I had to fudge a little bit because one whole suitcase felt like it was filled with the Berlin Wall coming back and, you know, they they kind of, you know, weigh things. So uh, anyway, it was uh, so a lot of stuff there that, that I will treasure forever, um, but throughout that trip, there's also... I have to be honest, I, I didn't feel like I was at home there. I was a visitor, a foreigner. I, I wasn't homesick. Um, it could have been the fact that my fiance was thousands of miles away and I, we were separated for almost three months. Uh, really, it was, it was just, I mean, everybody was, was amazingly hospitable and friendly and accepting, and we had an amazing time, and, and a thing I, w- I would never, never want to do anything differently. I just didn't quite fit in. About three weeks in, I, I experienced probably what you'd call culture shock, where it, it really kind of hit me that I, I'm going to be here for a long time. And, uh, and, and there were some things that I was having some trouble kind of uh, uh, dealing with, not the least of which was the, uh, was the shower situation. Um, they, had, they had showers, and that was great. Um, but in, in, in Europe, they just don't use them as much as we do. I mean, I mean, just, just say, and, uh, and, and that was fine. And they knew that we Americans were used to showering every day, even though they're not. And, and, and so they said, well, that's okay if you do, but make sure it's like a quick one. Like, like you get in and you get wet and you turn it off and then you lather up and you rinse off and you turn it off. And that's the end of the shower. And, uh, and that was uh, not what I was used to. And I, okay, about three weeks, I can handle that. But another month and a half, two months, I'm not sure. I, they don't drink, uh, they don't put ice in their drinks, and that was a problem, and I was having trouble. Uh, they, they don't drink just water. They drink seltzer water, and I was not really enjoying that. Uh, now, this next one might sound great. I mean, there was bratwurst everywhere all the time, and, and that sounds great. It's good for the first two or three or four or seven or 12 meals, but, but it just uh, bratwurst, and, and anyway. Uh, of course, the language was a thing, and I, and I had studied uh, German for three years in in high school, and and uh, and yet I, you know, I, I kind of halfway, but I just it's hard to keep up on what's being said, and 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 we had mattresses on the floor, and that's where we just over all these things. I, it was it was great, it was fine, it was good. I, I knew that I could endure it. I knew it wasn't permanent, and that's really what kept me going. No matter what happened, at the end of the summer, I was going to be back home, and I was going to be back where I belonged. 
And that experience has indelibly planted within me the feelings that, that, that I believe the Apostle Paul was, was uh, trying to plant in the hearts of the Philippians uh, in the passages that we're going to look at today. We've, we started studying this letter just to catch you up if, uh, if, if you haven't been uh, uh, following along or, or if, if, uh, if you haven't been able to be here uh, the last couple of weeks. We've, we started looking at this letter, uh, this, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. And, uh, and we started to see this theme of, as you can see behind me, this theme of joy is just kind of woven through everything. Uh, we, we've learned that joy is, is, is not just feeling happy all the time. Happiness comes from what's happening to us, but joy comes from an entirely different place. Joy comes from God himself. And so, so uh, we can have joy as, as we make progress on this spiritual journey that, that we've, we've, we've also learned. And, and we, can, we can have joy as we serve in Jesus. And, and Paul's emphasize, Paul emphasizes in a, in a couple of passages in this letter, that we can have joy in this life, no matter what we're facing in this life, we can have joy in this life because we actually belong somewhere else. So we're going to look first at Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 27 and 28, and then we're going to flip over to chapter 3 and start in verse 17, and they kind of, uh, they kind of parallel each other. So, so uh, here we go, uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27, whatever happens... As citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now we're going to jump over to chapter 3, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body therefore my brothers and sisters you whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way dear friends you catch there uh, his his deep uh, close relationship with these people. We talked about that uh, previously. These these folks that just a wide spectrum of of people from a wide a range of places in the world, and yet they gathered together in this church and and they supported Paul and and they they uh, they, they 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 were deep spirited friends. And Paul writes to them about citizenship. Citizenship would have been a big, big deal to these people in, in Philippi. Uh, it was a Roman colony. Uh, literally, uh, then it was looked at as, as Italian soil, uh, that, that even though it was about 750 miles away from the city of Rome, it was a Roman colony, so therefore uh, the, the Philippian citizens belonged to Rome uh, just as much as people living in the actual city of Rome. We don't have time today for a, for a history lesson on, on ancient Roman culture this morning, and to be real honest, I'm glad because I couldn't teach that, because I wouldn't, don't know it very well, right? But, but I do know a few things uh, uh, about that, and uh, uh, 
there were certain classes of citizens in Rome and certain benefits that, that being a citizen enjoyed. It was a coveted thing to be a, a, a Roman citizen. And if you, if you were born a Roman citizen, that was great. If not, there was a process to become a Roman citizen. And, and, uh, and, and not only were there benefits from that, but there were also some expectations. If you were a, a Roman citizen, there were taxes to be paid. Uh, that was expected. If you were a Roman citizen, you were supposed to participate in the government, like voting and, and, and uh, participating in, in, in those elections. Uh, Roman citizens were expected to follow the Roman laws, right? And, and they were to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of Rome. So when Paul used the metaphor of citizenship, uh, the members of the Philippian church would have known all about of what he, what he was talking about. First off, they would have known that citizenship determines conduct. Our citizenship determines our conduct, how we act, how we live. Verse 27 there that we just read in chapter 1 says, Whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he revisits that concept in chapter 3 as saying that our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, No matter what country we're born into or what culture we might live in here on earth, uh, followers of Christ are citizens, first and foremost, of heaven. And so playing off the Philippian sense of, uh, of citizenship and responsibility, Paul emphasizes that followers of Christ should live not just as good citizens of our culture where we live here on earth, but, but uh, if we're citizens of heaven, we should act like we are citizens of heaven. We should conduct ourselves as if we are citizens of heaven. He talks about we, uh, we live in a world that is anything but heavenly, right? In addition to the, the pain and problems that come our way, uh, we live among people that he described there in chapter 3 as enemies of the cross of Christ, uh, destined for destruction, uh, following every whim and, and drive and desire, glorifying shameful things. Uh, the most important things in the, in, in the lives of people who are, who are living for this world, uh, they're, they're, it's, they're earthly and temporary, and uh, that's where we live, that's the world where we live but if we're trusting Jesus for our forgiveness and our salvation this world is it's where we live but it's not where we belong right we're citizens of heaven and so our conduct should show it Uh, so I guess maybe we shouldn't fit in sometimes as well as we do Uh, Chuck Swindoll once once uh, preached the problem for many believers is not that they are so heavenly minded, they're, they're no earthly good. It's that they're so earthly minded, they no longer create a hunger in others for heavenly things. When I was in Berlin, there was, there was no question that I was American. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that I stuck out. I told you I studied German for three years in high school, and, and I got A's. And uh, man, I you know I went in there with more uh, German in in my past than uh, several other members of that team. And, and yet, man, I I was kind of I mean, we learned things, and I I had some of the vocabulary down. Uh, it sounded halfway familiar. I could sing the first verse of Silent Night in German. But I was there in July, so that didn't really help, right? So, uh, yeah, kind of lost, right? What, 
One of our first days there, they, they sent me down the street. I don't know whether they were just picking on me or they knew I'd had some German. They, they said, uh, go down the street. Uh, it's it's the, the first morning where, the, uh, you know, we, we got there in the middle of the day. The next morning we wake up. Oh, somebody's got to go get the, the rolls, the, the bread for breakfast. The bakery down the street, half a block away. Go, uh, yeah, you just go go get some. And I, and so I went down there and I mean, we, we ate that day. So I made it through. I got it, made it, made it happen. Pointing and, and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, trying things out. And, and, and I remember memorizing, I, I sent a, I told you Rebecca was, uh, halfway around the world and, um, a lot of letters, which she didn't get till the end of the summer anyway. Uh, so I guess I didn't do this right. But uh, I remember going in first week there, uh, having uh, written a whole letter, you know, pouring out my love. And I don't know what I did. I, we probably have the letter there somewhere. But uh, anyway, uh, I remember repeating over and over uh, the, the German words for uh, airmail to America, please. This, this was the term that I was, and then I still got up to the, uh, got up to the window and I, I flubbed it anyway. But finally, you know, got it, got it. Uh, I, it was obvious. I mean, I could get by, but it was obvious that I didn't really belong there, right? Uh, my citizenship was revealed by my conduct, not long ago, I, I discovered that, that if you want to become a citizen of the United States of America, you have to, you know, there's obviously a big process to go through, but one thing is you have to be a person of, quote, good moral character. There are some people that are born citizens that may need to go through this, pro- I don't, anyway. Uh, it, it, you can be termed, uh, a, a, an applicant might be, uh, uh, have a lack, uh, term, deemed as uh, having a lack of good moral character if these certain things uh, apply. So, so if, if any of these things happen, there's a chance your, your application could get booted and you would not be accepted as, uh, as, as a citizen of the United States. If you've committed a crime against an individual property or the government, if you've been involved in drug abuse, habitual use of alcohol, illegal gambling, prostitution, or polygamy, uh, if you have violated a court order to pay alimony or child support, if you have lied to gain your immigration benefits, uh, if you've been deported for any reason, uh, if you've been involved in the persecution of others in the United States on the base of race, religion, national origin, or political opinion, uh, those things are grounds for being denied U.S. citizenship. If there are lifestyle expectations for citizens of the United States, how much more should there be expectations for the conduct of citizens of heaven? Does your conduct match your citizenship? When others watch your life, can they tell that you are a citizen of heaven, if in fact you are? They, they can if you are uh, doing what, what Paul described as living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If, if you are not a person who is, who is driven by every whim and desire, as he describes there in chapter 3, uh, uh, if, if you are uh, a person who lifts up the cross of Christ, if you're a person who, who uh, tells others about heaven, if you are not participating in shameful, sinful things, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven, and it should be obvious. Because your conduct is determined, uh, your, your citizenship should determine your conduct. This world is not our home. And, and Paul says then that there is joy in that. Be, we can endure what we're walking through because this world is not our home. More on that. Our citizenship uh, 
determines our, our conduct. It, it also, Paul says in these verses, our citizenship creates consistency. He actually uses the term a couple of different places, stand firm. Be consistent. Uh, uh, in verse 27, chapter 1, and then also chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he's painting the picture of, of people, citizens of heaven, are, are people who are strong and steadfast and solid and immovable, steady, not easily shaken, standing firm, right? Uh, Paul wanted the Philippians to, to know that their heavenly citizenship enabled them to hold their ground spiritually when, when, uh, when, when it was challenged. One, one biblical character uh, that, that comes to my mind that illustrates this standing firm uh, in a foreign land uh, is the Old Testament uh, uh, character of Daniel. Daniel was taken as a prisoner into exile, right? So he's in Babylon. 605 BC, he, he heads to Babylon. And, and uh, Daniel chapter 1, we see him uh, kind of standing up for his, uh, his values, staying true to things, uh, saying, yeah, you want me to do this? I think I'm going to do this. And, uh, and, and God blessed him in that. And, uh, and so in the face of opposition in this foreign land, he stood firm to his convictions and, and was living as a, uh, a citizen of, of somewhere else, but living in this foreign land. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 21, scripture says, And Daniel continued even until unto the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel continued. I think we could put in the term, uh, he stood firm in his convictions, right? Uh, and not just for a year or two. So I told you he got taken into into uh, exile in 605 BC. If you look at the history books, and uh, some of you guys probably have this memorized, you know when King Cyrus came into, right? If, uh, nobody's, okay, whatever. Uh, fine, all right, well, I can tell you. I um, looked it up. Um, I didn't have it memorized either. But uh, it, King Cyrus came in, became king in 538 BC. Daniel continued until unto the first year of King. 67 years later, Daniel is still standing firm in his convictions in a foreign country, in a foreign land. Uh, he's not a citizen from there. He's not acting like a citizen from there. He is standing firm. Uh, he is continuing in his faith in God in the midst of a wicked, godless culture in Babylon. Um, but Paul doesn't just stop with instructing us to stand firm, kind of, okay, just got to hold on, you can make it tied in with this standing firm or not giving ground to the enemy uh, is his instructions to also, quote, strive together as one uh, uh, in the fa- uh, for, for the faith of the gospel. Uh, other translations might say contend for the faith of the God in sports terms. So we're, we're in the playoffs, right? And, uh, and, and if standing firm is a strong defense, then contending is pushing forward on offense, right? Uh, part of being citizens of heaven is not merely to, uh, to huddle together and endure, but to actually move out into the culture where we live, this culture that is foreign to us. We're not citizens of, of this culture. We're citizens of heaven, but we move out into this culture to introduce as many people uh, as we can to the possibility of also becoming citizens of heaven. One reason that we must stand strong and conduct ourselves well is so that other people get a clear picture of who God is and that they are drawn to him through us. Maybe you've heard this before. We live to love people to life. I've said it a couple of 
times, maybe. Uh, our mission, that's, that's uh, kind of how we summarize what we're about here, right? We live to love people to life. We, we're living it out. We're living a life with God, and, and we're building relationships with other people so they can see him in us and be drawn to him. We live to love people to life. Uh, in his book, a, a Severe Mercy, Sheldon Van Auken talks about this on both sides of the coin. First, he says, the best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. And maybe I wish he stopped there because then he says, but when the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians, when they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug, then Christianity dies a thousand deaths. Knowing that I am a citizen of heaven, that this world is not my home, has to uh, provide consistency, that I can stand firm in my faith and I can contend for the gospel and not give any ground to the culture around me. As we, as we stand firm, as citizens of heaven, uh, uh, Paul uh, emphasizes again a, a theme that has already come up and we'll continue to, to talk about in this, uh, uh, in this, uh, this, this little book. Um, citizenship also provides community. The relationships we have. As citizens of heaven, uh, I, I belong not just to God, but I belong to a community of other citizens. I'm, I'm standing firm in one spirit, he says, contending as one, unified with, with so many others who also call heaven their home. Uh, there's, there's encouragement there. I, I'm not alone in this, in this foreign land. There are others with me on the team working to forward the kingdom of God. Community, uh, the, these relationships sometimes are the things that make all the difference as we, as we face the things that we face in life. They produce priceless joy no matter what we're walking through. As, uh, as, as probably most kids in junior high and, and high school, um, there were times that, um, that as, you probably won't believe this, but I, I got picked on a little bit sometimes. Uh, you probably, you wouldn't, some cool today that you probably can't really tell that that was maybe this little squirrely junior high boy. But um, I don't you know, you got the acne stuff going on and you're just acting, you know, the hormones going everywhere and just being, yeah, I just squirrel, I was a squirrely junior high kid. And, uh, and, and, and so there were times I got picked, but, but one major thing that kept me going through, uh, through all those years of junior high and high school were three other friends, uh, Scott, Corey, and Chris. We became known uh, through our high school years as the four horsemen of the high school. And we did everything together. And, and we, uh, I mean, we, we played soccer together. We played basketball together. And uh, we rode bikes. And when we got old enough, we drove cars. And, and we hung out at each other's houses. And we ate dinner with each other's families. And, and we talked about uh, everything. Uh, we talked about life. And we talked about sports. And we talked about girls. And we talked about spiritual stuff. And, and uh, uh, we even dated some of the same girls and uh we uh we we would uh we would rip on each other uh but also knowing there was this deep connection right that we had each other's back no questions asked and and looking back on that i don't know if i knew it or appreciated it for what it was then uh as much as i should have but looking back on that that has given me gave me at the time stability and encouragement and support I, I didn't listen to those other voices that might be putting me down or, uh, or, or, or whatever because that didn't matter. Because uh, 
I had this group where I knew I belonged no matter what, right? And, and although it's many years later and we all live in different places, I know that I could pick up the phone and, send, and make a call or send a text and uh, those guys would be on it in a matter of minutes because we still have that uh, just as I would be for them, they would be for me. I think of that and I, yeah, that's a, that's a great thing that I was able to experience. Not everybody gets to experience it, but that's also, I think, a great picture of what, what the church should be for each other. There, there should be such love and unity and stability as being fellow citizens of heaven that no matter what we face, we can have confidence that we do not face it alone. This should be a place of belonging, that we belong together. And when I say this, I mean this too, online, whether you're able to get here on a snowy day or not, that, that we are part of the, uh, the, the, the citizenship of heaven. I hope that you are not, that, I hope that you're not limiting your relationships with each other to an hour or two once a week or so when we gather in this building, right? I hope that you're looking for opportunities to, to, uh, to, to, to connect. And, and I know that many of you are. I think we all, all, we get busy and we have stuff and we have work and we have school and we have uh, family stuff and all that. We, we've got to be intentional about continuing to build up our relationships with each other, right? Have people over for dinner, uh, make a phone call, send a text. I'm praying for you. How's this going? Uh, are you handling that okay? Can I watch the kids tonight? We need to be that community for each other and then I know you were struggling with this issue in your faith how can I help let's let's look at this together let's study the, all of these things in addition to the programmed activities of the church we've got to be a place the church has to be a place where we know we belong Paul prayed and we looked last week at his prayer there in chapter one. He prayed that our love would abound more and more, right? Uh, there is, there is no room in, in the church among citizens of heaven for backbiting or backstabbing or gossip or slander. We are united in one spirit, Paul says. We're contending as one. Citizenship in heaven means that I belong to fellow foreigners here on earth. Part of that belonging is also uh, also an accountability too, right? Uh, uh, Paul talks about he's setting an example for other people to follow. Uh, we we kind of help keep each other on track spiritually. We 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 live and learn together. Uh, Paul says in in uh, chapter three verse seventeen that he's an example to follow as well as others who are living according to the pattern laid out for them. So Paul wrote this in in around AD sixty. And there was no New Testament in print, and uh, all they had were written letters and verbal stories, and there were people to follow, relationships to be had, uh, ways to work things out through those relationships. I, it always gets me when, when, uh, it, Paul, when I read about Paul say, follow my example as I follow Christ. Follow my example along with all these other people that are, follow what, and I just have to ask myself, and, and I think, man, if there's anything else that we could ask ourselves today, maybe this is, this is the one thing. What type of Christian would someone be if all they had was your example to follow? What type of citizen of heaven would someone be if all they had was your example to follow, your life to look at? We've 
got to be living our lives as if that was the case. We've got to be developing those relationships, those deep connections with our fellow citizens of heaven. And, and, uh, and, and I hope that you know that you have the support and love and connection in Christ of, of every person in, in this church. Citizenship provides community and that brings such joy. I think there's one more thing and you know what it means when the pastor says that one more thing absolutely nothing doesn't mean anything at all he's still going gangbusters so just you know don't relax yet but uh, citizenship also produces courage Paul talks about uh, opposition here and persecution in some of these verses. When, when, when we're going against the grain of society, when we're living in a place that, that goes completely against what, uh, what our citizenship would call us to, to, uh, to do, there, there's, there's going to be opposition, right? Uh, the, they say that John Wesley was, was uh, you know, he was a circuit rider preacher for a while and riding his horse uh, around and, and preaching different places. And uh, he was riding his horse uh, one day and it dawned on him that, that it had been several days since he had been persecuted, that anyone had given him a hard time. And so the, the, the story goes that, that he said to himself, maybe I've sinned and been disobedient. So he got down off his horse and he, he got down on his knees right at the side of the road. And, and about that time, a man on the other side of the road recognized uh, John Wesley for who he was and, and didn't like much about him at all. And he heaved a rock at him and it bounced off the road and just missed him. And Wesley leaped up to his feet and he shouted, thanks be to God, everything's all right. I still have the presence of God with me. He was happy that he had been persecuted for who he was. I mean, it's natural for us to want to blend in, right? To, to, to not make waves, to not cause problems. If Jesus came to not make waves, where would we be? If, if Paul was concerned with people uh, uh, liking him more than uh, he was concerned with spreading the gospel, literally we would not know the gospel because he spread the gospel to uh, folks who weren't uh, Jewish. And I think that's us, right? And, and so uh, history's pages are filled with men and women who knew that citizenship in heaven was far greater than blending in on earth. Because I'm a citizen of heaven I can endure any hardship that I might face and I can endure it with joy because I know that my citizenship is somewhere else. That's where Paul's living here. Remember, he's in, he's in prison when he's writing this, right? Uh, he, he's referenced that just a, a few verses earlier in the middle of chapter one. Um, he says he's in chains and uh, he, he, uh, he says that, uh, that, that he, however, continues to rejoice Maybe you've heard verse 21 before. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He knew that his citizenship in heaven meant that there were great things in store for him in the life to come, but he also knew that he still had fulfilling work to do here. And so because of his hope in eternity, he could have joy even now in, in his earthly life. It was, a, it was temporary, so he could face the trouble that he was facing he knew that there were better things in store and that kept him going and kept him motivated maybe you've heard the story about um about the woman who had been uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness and given just a a couple of months to live and she was getting her things in order and she contacted her pastor because she wanted to talk with him about spiritual things. A godly uh, uh, woman who had lived for uh, her, her whole life for, for the Lord. 
and, and wanted to talk to her pastor about the service and what she wanted as a part of things and her final wishes. And she told him which songs that she wanted sung at the service and what scriptures she would like read. And, and she requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. And then she kind of got a mischievous smile on her, her face. And uh, uh, she said, Pastor, there's one more thing as I'm lying in that casket. I know, I, as I'm lying there, and as people file by, she said, I want to be holding a fork in my right hand. And the pastor looked at her and didn't know what to say. And so she said, I know, uh, let, me, let me explain. She said, in all my years of attending church dinners and other social gatherings, my favorite part came at the end of the meal uh, as the dishes were being cleared and someone would say the magic words, keep your fork. It meant that, meant that there was... No matter how great the meal had been, right, there was something better coming. Maybe it was a piece of velvety cherry cheesecake or a slice of deep dish apple pie with a scoop of ice cream just starting to melt. Or maybe it was a double-decker chocolate. She, she said, whatever it was, keep your fork meant that there were greater things in store. So she said, Pastor, at my funeral, after you've read my obituary and you've remembered some of who I was and what I've done, and, and after you've preached the gospel with all your heart, people are still going to be wondering, what's up with the fork? And she said, I want you to tell them all, the best is yet to come. We live this life. If we have called on Jesus, we live this life as citizens of heaven. We're just passing through. We, we don't belong. Maybe you're experiencing that joy and that anticipation as that, that citizenship in heaven brings. And, and that's great. Maybe today is just a reminder of all of that. And, and, and I hope that it has been. And I hope that you're, you're celebrating those, those joys that come because of your citizenship is not here. Will there be snow? We've already said there's going to be snakes. Is there going to be snow in heaven? Maybe. There, yeah, maybe. But we don't have to plow it. Maybe that's it. I think that's it. Just snap your finger, right? We've got so much to look forward to, right? And so, so all of these reasons and so many more uh, help us to, uh, to hang in through this life and to live out our citizenship every day. Maybe, maybe you're here today or uh, logged in online and you're not quite sure if you're a citizen of heaven. Or maybe you're pretty sure you're not a citizen of heaven. Philippians tells us in several places, including the passages we read today, that that, that a citizen in heaven is simply someone who is relying on Jesus, that we've put our hope in him, that we believe that Jesus is, is God's son and he came and paved the way so that we can, as we believe in him, as he forgives our sin, he cleanses us from unrighteousness and we can have fellowship with him, not only now in this life, but as citizens of heaven for all eternity. Today is not only a day to, uh, for, for those who are already citizens to rejoice, but what a day uh, it, it can be for us to, to say, you know what, I got to deal with some things. I'm not sure that I'm living this out. If someone followed my example, I'm not sure they'd get to heaven. <laughs> um, today can be the day when we confess those things. That, that, that we, uh, we, we make the commitment to live our lives following Jesus, following others. And we allow him to determine our citizenship. It, our citizenship in heaven will determine our conduct. It, it creates a, a steadfast, solid life that, that, that we, can, we can build on and we can contend for the faith. It, it provides a community where we're in this together. 
and it produces courage that we can hang in no matter what we face. Because, keep your fork, the best is yet to come.